Hello and welcome to the Chan Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Gyron Fritz. This podcast is focused on bringing compassion, healing, awareness, and nurturing for your mind and body and soul. We hope to inspire new ways of thinking and motivation around a variety of topics and experiences. And we hope you'll come along for an episode and stay for the journey. Hello and welcome to the Chan Podcast. This is Heather Gyron Fritz and today on our show we have Jason Shears. He's a certified transformative coach with 25 years of helping people free themselves from suffering. He's a certified psychotherapist and addictions and mental health specialist. Good morning, Jason Shares. Let's um, start off this morning. Welcome to the podcast, Chan Podcast. I'm excited to have you on here with us. And we're going to talk about addiction and recovery and your thoughts around that. And I thought we could start out a little bit about your history and what brought you to this type of work. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to share something and hopefully it can make a difference to so one person listening, you know, um, uh, it, it's like a, it's a long story. And I guess that um, it originated, you know, in the, with the loss of my, uh, of my father in a tragic accident when I was, when I was young. Um, and, and, you know, at that time it was just kind of like, there was, you know, that was in 1977. Um, and my mum, she coped with that the best she could, you know, and I unknowingly, you know, kind of just found a way of coping with my experience through external behaviours and processes, you know, and food was the very first thing that I picked up. And I can only say this in hindsight, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't, it, it happened then and it was happening as a child, but looking back, you know, um, I can make sense of it, you know, and, and that's the only way I can make sense of that. Because as a small five-year-old boy losing losing a dad, you know, it's like you start to feel unsafe in the world and, and wonder what's, you know, like, again, this is all talking in hindsight, but like wonder what's all this about, you know, like where is my sense of safety in the world? Because it comes from the people who are consistent, right, in your life. So food became very much my coping mechanism, my friend, my, my, uh, my partner, my, my way of coping with life, you know, and uh, my mum always says that I ballooned. I mean, I have got some family photos I've looked back at, you know, like I ballooned in weight massively from, uh, I gained, we call it a stone in the UK, which is 14 pounds, you know, I gained 14 or 15 pounds every year, you know, of age that I had. And, wow. and my weight just kind of went up and up and up and up. And all I remember is that, like, I was excited at the prospect of being left alone in the house so I could steal food. I was excited at the prospect of being able to have you know, the day that my mum went shopping because there was more food in the house. And I, when I found something I really liked, you know, which was usually sugary foods and stuff, that I like would consistently go back to it and eat more and more and more of it, you know, like as much as I could get of it. And there was always an argument in our house about who had eaten, who's eaten this, who's eaten that, you know, and it was like, it was never me, of course, you know, it was like, I was just like, wasn't me, <laughs> you know, at this, uh, the same time, you know, like my weight was ballooning massively and I was becoming more withdrawn and more 
isolated and dark in my own mind. You know, that's what was, was happening to me as a seven, eight-year-old boy. And um, that's when I got my first, at nine years old, I got my first psychiatric diagnosis as as being depressed and was put on antidepressant medication. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was in the early 80s and or late 70s, no, would have been about 1980. Um, you know, and I've read those um, psychiatric reports in recent years from from the from the psychiatrist, and it's like, you know, they're quite um, disappointing. You know, the people that, I can I can say that I don't think I've ever met a, somebody in my world, you know, as a practicing professional in a therapeutic way that's been intentionally malicious. You know, I'm sure everyone's got good intentions. But the lack of investigation, the lack of understanding of grief or loss, you know, and the and the very easy, um, easily labelled, you know, with with having psychiatric disorder and given medication at nine years old, you know, looking back at that is crazy, you know, like. Um, and grief and, was never explored. Your therapist no, never even explored no. explored the underlying no. issue of grief. So I was then on self-destruct, you know, for the, for the, for many years. And, um, you know, like food turned to money and crime and then drugs, you know, and it was like the money and the crime was kind of in place before drugs. So when I found drugs, um, it was easy to commit crime, to get more because that was, I'd already been doing that. I'd already been, um, stealing cars and stealing bikes and stealing from people's houses and doing all sorts as a, I was just off, you know, off the rails as a very young teenager. So when I found heroin, um, it was like, I'd already felt like I'd had many difficult years, you know, of coping with myself, with my own mind, you know, with my own thoughts about myself, with my own reality, the world that I lived in on a daily basis that I woke up to, that I went to bed with, you know, and, and heroin takes that away. It numbs it, you know, it, it makes it go quiet. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like being, I'm sure you have, but being chronically overstressed and overthinking, caught up in your own mind all day, every day for days and weeks and months on end. And then all of a sudden it's quiet in there. You know, it's like, Oh my God, thank you. You know, like give me some respite for myself, some peace, some, some escape, you know? So it just made sense that, I mean, even at that point, you can see that heroin or drugs or processes or anything, I mean, in my case, it was heroin, but it could have been gambling, sex, pornography, uh, anything, food, you know, is the solution. It's not the problem, you know, and it's like and commonly it's seen as the as the problem and trying to fix the problem from a behavioral change point of view. But actually, it's the solution to a deeper misunderstanding of of, of the of my own mind in that case, you know, or of our own mind, you know, and and we never really in the professional services, you know, like from traditional psychological and psychiatric approaches, never really understand that, you know, that it is the, the, the solution to a deeper misunderstanding about who we are and how our world, how our image of ourselves is created. So, you know, I'd, I'd found a way to escape that. I'd found a way to escape my own thinking about myself and to escape what looked like a really shitty world and a really hard done to childhood that I'd had, you know, and, and you know, and I'd already adopted the, the label of, um, you know, of having psychiatric labels and of trauma 
survivor, you know, victim, survivor, whichever way I, depending on what my mind was like on any particular day, you know. Um, How old were you when you started using heroin? Uh, early teens. Okay. Yeah, early teens. And, and when you when you made that shift, did you did you find that you stepped away from the overeating and just went straight into heroin? One took over for the other. Yeah, I did. You know, and it's in, it's interesting that because I, I I always talk about that. And um, at first, it was like one kind of um, superseded the other, you know, like drugs took over. They were always the primary important one. They were always the most important part of it. And um, and then after a while, I remember that, you know, when I was going out to, to commit crime, to get money, to sell, to sell something, to take drugs, that after I got drugs, I would go shoplifting food and chocolate. And it was like, and I would have this routine of, of getting um, drugs. And then after getting drugs, getting food and chocolate. And it was like, just constantly trying to fill this emptiness of this void inside of me that was, that was kind of overwhelming or, um, you know, just really, dark you know and it, it, it to some extent it gave me some the drugs gave me some sense of oblivion and the food distracted my mind you know but it was like a merry-go-round that i could never get off that i was constantly right. on committing crime going to jail getting out of jail thinking i would just do it again one more time you know and it's like that as soon as you start off on the merry-go-round you can't get off you know and it's like and, and it was just like self-destruction you know over years and years really to the point of um you know ending up in a homeless shelter um when i was 23 after 10 years of doing that you know 10 years of taking heroin and committing crime and uh, being in institutions and having loads of psychiatric um interventions Labels. you know like and all sorts of stuff going on there but like nothing ever working to the point till the point where i just i felt so sick and tired and empty inside you know so I went into 12-step rehab originally. Um, I spent nine months in rehab when I was 23. And um, the first thing that happened was, was that, you know, I, how, how can I say that? You know, I conformed, you know, in a way I did what I was suggested to do. I adopted the belief of addicts. It was told to me that I am an addict and I have this unexplainable disease that results in a phenomena of the mind and body that makes me drink and use more than anyone else and uh, that I would never recover from it and uh, but I could stay sober clean if I just followed a set of practices you know that's the the new belief that was installed into me so I was like okay you know like naively just believed that and took on and adopted that label and uh, went to meetings and did 12 step work for the next 22 years, you know, after that, you know, while on one side of my life, that's what I did, because I believed that I had to do that just to stay alive, you know, um, on the other side, you know, the first thing I did in rehab was picked up food again, and started stuffing myself, I gained 120 pounds in 12 weeks um, of being in rehab, because I was stealing every bit of food that I could. Um, I was eating food out of bins. I was um, stealing off, leaving, eating people's leftovers on plates, stealing and stashing food in my room while I was in rehab. Because it's just like one 
coping me mechanism for the deeper misunderstanding been took away and i found another coping mechanism because we're infinitely resourceful you know like not as addicts because that's not even true but as people as human beings we're infinitely resourceful to get what we think we need you know if the mind is busy and having a difficult time then we will find a way to cope with it you know that mm -hmm. it's it's working exactly as it should it's not broken that's how it works you know because it all comforts it all comforts yeah. whatever that whatever that thought and that feeling is that you have the mind seeks seeks at peace from itself you know like that from the very messy idea of life that it's and and you and you know ourselves that it's creating and then it seeks to escape from that that's kind of like in its simplest form what's going on with addiction the process is the attempt at quietening the mind the process or the substance you know it's like it is an attempt to quieten the mind that's all it is it's an attempt to stop the noise and the feeling of compulsion and obsession that goes on in the body and mind that's what the, the actual the action the thing that we do as in addiction you know whether it is sex money food gambling substances whatever it is it's all an attempt to quieten the mind you know it's that that's all it's about it's nothing to do with that behavior that's just the behavior that we chose and right. why we would choose one over another is kind of a relevant conversation you know, it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. that's interesting because it makes me think about how we stigmatize different addictions when if we were able to look at them like you just explained addiction is addiction regardless of what you what your behavior is what your habit is that you use but yet community horribly stigmatizes an addiction to drugs versus an addiction to food yeah it's part of a like um educational cultural and psychological and psychiatric conditioning that we've received as a a society in the west you know like that we've you know, the, these things have come along like psychological theories, you know, starting off with psychodynamic stuff, um, you know, uh, psychology, and then breaking out into different things like Freudian theory, Jung and Eric Byrne and Rogers, you know, all their theories that w were made somewhat uh, mainstream because they were put into educational facilities and taught to people who then became counselors and therapists and so on that it grew so much. And then in the psychiatric, in the other side of it, the medical field, you know, because they were doctors, and um you know the way that the dsm the the diagnostic and statistical manual was developed over its five um editions with um different psychiatrists um creating this theory about diagnosis and uh, you know and, and really all of it quite simply is just conceptual explanation for human behavior and it's mm -hmm. turned into a, a psychopathology, you know, it's kind of like turned into a, a label or a brokenness, which is given to people. So we've all, because like for, for the average person, they're not educated in that area in psychology and psychiatry, they just trust that, oh, they're a doctor, they're a therapist, they must know about how to help people. And if you need help, if it's mental health, you go to psychiatrist. And if you've struggled with something, then maybe you go to a any type of therapist, you know, so it's it's almost like part of the natural human conditioning, you know, like of, of, of the average person, if there is such a thing as an average person, you know, like of where do you go for help, you know? Mm -hmm. What are um, your thoughts then on, you know, the, there's the theory of our, our thoughts create our feelings, which create our reactions, and then the outcome. And there's some thought that you that that's a, a continuous feedback loop that if you change your thoughts and your feelings it changes your behaviors and your outcomes and then when you change those again it helps improve those thoughts and feelings and stuff 
Yeah, I, I understand that, and and I think there's it, it's it's um possibly a good short term intervention, you know, like um, for somebody who's really in the moment struggling, and um, you know that type of process that. Um, theoretical process of help you know like in cbt for for helping people that i mean like where i'm looking is is kind of a layer beyond that you know i'm not looking at a thought feeling management process i'm looking at the fact that we are in the human experience thinkers we think and create ourselves in the mind and all thoughts are irrelevant information they are just noise of the mind it's kind of like a i describe it like that when you see if you're we're so close to it as humans that we can't even see it and and i would like to use the metaphor of like a fish swimming in water you know a fish that's born in the ocean that never leaves the ocean does it know it's in water you know it's like uh, that's like human beings in a world of thought you know we don't actually know we can't actually see that we're living in a world of thought because we're so close to it and when we just get a glimpse a seeing that you know that i when i say i as jason you know i am 50 years old i am a father i am i am i am you know whatever i add onto those words you know is not true because it's a temporary state you know it's a temporary thing a place that i'm at but the i part is always true you know like i that's always an explanation of, of who i really am beyond my thinking about myself and when we get that little glimpse of seeing that we're actually in water we're a fish swimming in water or that we're a human living in a world of thought you know we're we're, we're the, playing the lead character of the movie that's playing in our own mind when we can see that just a little bit you know then, and there is a space beyond thought there's a space beyond the made-up world there's a space beyond the made-up version of jason that i hold in my own mind where everything is perfect has always been perfect the the, the space of perfect mental health undamageable mental health that cannot be broken cannot be scratched can't be marked you know is never no matter what anyone says you know like this there's, there's no explanations in psychiatry there's no explanations in psychology for um human behavior there isn't any there's conceptual theories but they're not truth they fall apart on investigation so the, the what i've seen what i saw in myself you know my own awakening my own realization was that you know i was the one like i was on a daily basis creating the story of jason as the victim of trauma i was the one creating the story of being broken of being damaged of being too far gone of having done too much chaos too much crime too much psychiatric medication i was the one that told myself that story on a daily basis and then i was the one that escaped from the story that i'd been telling myself and when i realized that oh i just need to stop telling the story that's not true you know that's not who i am the, who i am is way beyond that you know it's it's really about what we wake up to is seeing the inst the software that's been installed into the hardware you know it's like when we're born in in a you know in the eyes of the creator you know in perfection you know it's like needing nothing but food and warmth and shelter you know it's kind of like and from there you know everything else gets installed you know everything else gets installed into us and the idea of ourself is created over time through the conditioning that we receive and the circumstances in the world the social conditioning the cultural conditioning the family conditioning that's 
installed into us creates an idea of a separate me, you know, a, a, an, a, an illusion in my own mind that is mm -hmm. somewhat, you know, separate and uh, can suffer, you know, and, 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 why, and all I did and all we do, you know, is we, we wake up to that illusion that's created in the mind, you know, and see that it's not actually true. I'm not broken. I'm not damaged. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. I've always been okay, you know, and I, I've also got the power in my own mind, the power of thought to create the illusion that I'm not okay. And that's so different from, I should say, my understanding of the 12-step program, because if, if your statement is that we're the leading role in our own life, and that it's a matter of our perception and so much more nurture versus nature. And I think back to when you were young and, and then you saw reports of your diagnoses and then you went into using heroin and stuff. How do we, how do we instill our, in ourselves when we're someone who might have really weak self-care, really weak self-thoughts about themselves? How do we instill that we can be that leading lady? We can be that leading man. We can take control and be that role. And we don't need an outside source. We might not need... Um, to, to be religious or something we have it within ourselves. how do we how do we do that when we're when there might be so much shame and so much depression around the behaviors that we have taken on because of the substance or the addiction that we have taken on yeah i mean that's a, it's a big question and it's like um i like to you know in a podcast you can only share so much and it's like the, there's a difference here in like i'm sharing knowledge you know it's kind of like but i'm sharing knowledge about an understanding and knowledge is not understanding you know I, we have to understand that that's separate that i can sort of knowledge is known and craved by the intellectual mind by the brain because it seems like if we could just gain enough knowledge then we would have the answers to all these things right. but what i'm talking about is an understanding and an understanding comes from a deeper level not knowledge not from the intellectual mind so i just want to caveat you know what i'm saying with that you know that it's very difficult to to get a concept just from listening to somebody talking but you might hear what's interesting about this is you might hear something in what I'm saying that you feel curious about that like, oh, this sounds interesting. I want to know more. And that's kind of really circling back to what you were asking, you know, is that like with all instinctive beings, we all know what's right for us and what's not. We just do. We naturally do. That's built into the system. It's not something you have to um, gain. Wisdom is not gathered from the outside. Wisdom is innate. It's part of the design. Now, what happens is, and, and so is, you know, like, so is happiness and joy and contentment. It's who we are. It's not something we have to get. You know, what happens is, is that we veil that, we cover that over. We, 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 we separate ourselves from our own wisdom and from our own happiness with our own thought. So, like, when you see that you are a fish swimming in water, when you see that, that the idea of low self-worth is just a thought. It's nothing more than that. You can't do anything to overcome an illusion. You know, there's nothing you can do to overcome an illusion. There's nothing you need to do to overcome an illusion. You just, once you know it's an illusion, it's no longer, it doesn't exist. Oh. So there's nothing you can do to overcome the, the, the idea of low self-worth or someone who's weak, because that is an idea you hold about the image of yourself right. in your own mind. So you don't need to overcome it. And, and, and that's why I'm saying that this is a layer deeper. It's really 
what I call insight led learning, where we see into the truth of who we are beyond the story that we hold about ourselves and the concepts of self fall away. The idea that I'm a person with low self-worth, who's broken, who's damaged, who's done so much stuff, who's never going to get this, never going to have a good relationship. It's going to be a terrible parent. Always. All those are ideas that I hold in the image of myself that I hold in my own mind. Right. Well, that is not the truth of who I am. I'm not an image in my own mind. I am not my thoughts about myself. There's no useful information in there. And most people are living in that world of thought where they're hearing that negative self-talk, which we all get, me included, you know, like, I'm no good. I'm a piece of shit. Blah, blah, blah. I can't do anything right. I've always got failed relationships, all that, you know, and they're living in that world of thought in their head as if that's the truth of who they are and that's their life. Well, that is most people live in their head, you know, they're not present in the moment of life, everything good happens in the present moment, and there's no problems in the present moment, you know, but everyone is not living in the present moment, they're living, most of humanity are lost in a world of thought living in their head, you know, separate from the truth right. of who they are. It's all that noise you spoke about. Yeah, yeah, and it's very overwhelming and can be debilitating for sure, you know, like when you don't know what it is, like, I'm not even saying that I'm free of that, you know, you don't transcend the noise, the noise is part of the human mind, it's what it does, it's part of the, the human uh, experience, you know, but it's more like a, most of the time, not always, but it's more like a radio station that you've tuned, turned the volume down that's on in the back in the next room or something, you know, it's, it's not that noisy for me anymore. So it's, you know, once you stop paying attention to it, it's you stop noticing it's there, you know. And there's so much noise that comes from the outside in and from the inside, because because we're we're reevaluating not only our own thoughts but everything that we find out that somebody said or thought about us or what we think somebody said or thought about us. So our noise just, I think I heard once that we have sixty thousand thoughts a day, something yeah. like that. Which, when you think about it you don't you don't know most of them they're subliminal they're yeah. just bouncing around in your head and that's also why like a thought management process like thought feeling behavior change and so on and stuff like that in that type of therapy is kind of actually just creating more noise because you're using thought to manage thought you know and it's like you can't uh, there's a famous einstein quote that says you can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that it was created, you know, and that's all that is trying to do. It's a misunderstanding that it's using thought to fix thought. And if you had to manage 60,000 thoughts a day, you know, it's like you'd be very busy. You'd be stressed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I've heard you also talk about um, the three principles. And how do you think that pulls into addictive behaviors? Yeah, um, the three principles is a um, as discovered by Sidney Banks, you know, who was an average man that had an enlightenment experience. And the three principles, you know, the main, when you look at it from a, how is it useful? How is it helpful? You know, it is a description of experience. It is not a prescription. So it's not a way of fixing something that's broken. It is an explanation for how human experience works. And through the lens you know of the three principles through the understanding and that's when i said knowledge versus understanding you can have knowledge about the three principles but it doesn't mean you've got an understanding of it you know like when you've got an understanding of it your life will look differently and 
through the lens of for that explanation for human behavior, for human understanding, you know, you start to see how you're, what we've been talking about here. You know, the three principles is what we've been talking about, but it's like, you know, it's using slightly different language. And I, I always ask people, don't get too caught up in the words or the concept or, because really it's just a way of pointing us to our innate, well-being uh, the the truth of who we are the fact is is that we are spiritual beings having a human experience and we are connected to to a spiritual intelligence behind life there is there is something very clearly bigger than me or you going on here you know it's like an almost everyone will have a palpable um experience to, to 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 explain that you know some sort of beyond coincidental experience connection with person or meeting choice meeting or something like that um and that we're all at one at, at any given time experiencing our own thoughts through our consciousness you know through our through our level of consciousness um at times we have a lot of thinking, you know, it may seem like our level of consciousness is low. It's like that we don't see very clearly. We, it may look like a very narrow focus on a particular thing. Like when you have a, what looks like a problem or a challenge and it looks impossible, you know, it's kind of like what you need to do is zoom out, you know, it's kind of like, and get a wider focus on it. And what we would say is if you zoomed out from it, you know, your level of consciousness will naturally expand because you're not focused in on the problem and how there's no solution. Um, so we all experience our thinking via our consciousness, you know, and, and, and um, Sidney Banks explained, you know, that the, the you know, the, the power of thought, you know, the universal power of thought, you know, is the energy that creates our, our thinking in our own mind, that creates our ability to think as a, as a separate being, as a, as a person, as a, having a human experience. So they really are just an explanation of experience. They really are just a, a, a way of pointing to how we experience ourselves in the world, you know, and, and how would that all that be useful with addiction? Well, um, for me, you know, it was like, it was the only time, there was, a, there was a, a few things, right, that it was useful. It was the only time that I'd ever gone to see somebody where they said to me, look, you're not broken. Everything is working exactly how it's meant to be working. You know, it's like, here's why. And it's like, uh, does it make sense that if you use, innocently use the creative power of thought to create a shitty life for yourself, then you're going to escape from it? because that is our innate resilience, right? That is what we do, you know? It's kind of like in any given situation that we're thrown into. I mean, you must have seen videos, people have lost legs, limbs, and so on, and gone on to achieve great things, or, you know, I've had all sorts of tragedies. Perhaps they've got nothing, they live in poverty, but they have a, they have a happy life. You know, it's like we are innately resilient and capable of coping with anything. And that is how the system works. It's like, so if I'm using the power of thought innocently to create a shitty version of myself in a world that's difficult, you know, it's like, then it makes sense that I'm going to escape because what's the next option? It's like psychosis or suicide. You know, it's like that, that is the next option. If my mind keeps blowing up with things that I don't want to think about and I can't stop it, then that's the next option. So I find an escape. So 
that's the first thing, you know, it's like that we're all innocently using the power of thought to create ourselves, the idea, the illusion of ourselves, the character in the movie, you know, we're, we're playing it in our own mind. And when we stop doing that, we see, we start to experience more of the connection to that spiritual intelligence and our level of consciousness rises naturally, you know, that we see life from a bigger perspective, we see more opportunities, we connect more deeply with life, things keep showing up that seem like great coincidences, you know, it's like, because when we're caught up in our own personal thinking, we are, uh, it looks like we're living life with blinkers on, you know, like when you see a horse with a little yes. blinkers on, right, it's like the only That's thing exactly I can <laughs> in front of me, you know, it's kind of like, and I can't see anything else. And all I do is I take these blinkers off, which is my personal thinking that I'm in 24 seven when I'm all, all the time, the waking uh, moments that I have in my day, I, I take these blinkers off and I go, oh, wow, you know, it's kind of like there's a whole world here, you know, it's not just my own mind, my thinking about Jason and what about me and what about my life and what am I going to get and how is that going to affect me? Because all personal thinking is about me and my lack of something, you know, it's like am I, something bad about me and something bad about my life, something bad about my past and something bad about my future, you know, so I'm in that all day long. It's like, it's like having these blinkers on and I don't even see, you know, you must have, known people or seen people you know like the kind of walking down the street they're not even there they're just lost in their right. own mind suffering in pain now when i see beyond that when i see beyond that stuff and i stop doing that and like the weight of the world lifts off my shoulders for a start now here's an here's the best way of explaining this you know I, I when i work with people with addictions and stuff we never talk about uh what what it is they come for never you know and, and they come for one thing only they want to stop a certain thing you know they want to stop whatever it is could be pornography gambling drugs food you know and i don't even talk about it and it's like and what happens is over time is they their understanding evolves, you know, their understanding of who they are and how the world works and how their mind works evolves. And then they just go one day, oh yeah, I haven't done that thing for a while. It's kind of stopped, you know? And it's like, oh, that's interesting how that works, isn't it? Because as soon as you stop living in that blinkered world, your mind lightens, the weight of the world is lifted off your shoulders. You naturally feel more joy, more contentment, more peace of mind, and you don't need to medicate that. Never did anyone that I know wake up and go, oh, my life's amazing today. I think I'm going to self-destruct on crack cocaine. You know, it's like, it's always an attempt to to escape from something that doesn't feel good, you know? Right. And it really goes back to that mindful thinking. I, um, one of my people that I love is Thich Nhat Hanh, and he really talks about mindfulness and like you said earlier, really being in that moment and every single moment, it, it sort of goes to my thought around affirmations too. It's what we, what the voice, it's the voice that we're, that we're hearing the noise that we're hearing. If our, if our noise and our voice is positive and affirming positive things and affirming that we are perfect just as we are and we're whole just as we are, I think it gives a complete different outlook. Yeah. Yeah, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about the beginner's mind as well. And I think that's an important point to make in this podcast, because especially if we think we know something about change, like I did, you know, I really thought I knew a lot. I had a long list of letters after my name, multiple uh, credentials and so on. And it was like, I really thought I knew something about change. And the beginner's mind is just like about 
we don't know what we don't know you know it's like yeah. coming to this conversation listening to this what we're talking about from a place of being willing not to know you know because we we come with our our human um you know our, our own system our own ego wants to argue and say well no that's not right that's not true that isn't right i don't know different to that you know it's like that's how the mind works it's like but when we're willing not to know you know there's always the chance what what i call these is transformative conversations and we just have conversations and sometimes if you're willing to not know you hear something that sounds different to what you've how you've experienced it before and from there you have an insight insight led learning and insight led learning opens your mind to new perspectives and new possibilities about yourself and about life and that is a much more joyful more freeing place to live and addiction at that place doesn't seem like a good thing to do anymore you know self-destruction doesn't seem like a a great thing to do when your life's already joyful right right yes i, I like i like that concept i think that I think that Thich Nhat Hanh does have a lot of great saying, a lot of great teachings. And I agree that it's really our outlook. It's really taking, taking that control and being mindful. Um, and I love the, I always use that quote, we don't know what we don't know. I just said that with one of my students the other day and she goes, by the way, I've adopted that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, it could be a throwaway comment, you know, but if you, it's so profound that it's like almost like, uh, it's almost uh, a throwaway comment, you know, it's so profound and so simple that the mind can't comprehend how powerful it is. And like, if you really consider that you don't know what you don't know, it's kind of like, I mean, that like to, to the, to the times infinity, you know, it's kind of like the, it, it, it's an infinite amount of possibilities of what you don't know you don't know how good your life could be you don't know how good you could feel you don't know what amazing things could happen tomorrow when you're willing to get up every day like that you know like and and whatever happens is not good or bad but it is just experience of being human it's just the experience of having a you know being in a human body you know living in the human experience as a spiritual being then so much potential you know, so much potential for life. And that's when I said before about I, I'm when people come to me, they want to stop one thing. I'm usually quite excited because to me, that's the easy part. It's like they don't know what else is on offer, what other possibility is on offer. So to me, that's just the start. To them, it's the end. It's all they want. You know, but to me, right. it's like it's the start of a bigger seeing of the of the human experience of, of living a life of joy and contentment and and creativity and fun and exploration you know it's like that that's that's what's on offer not not just stopping using you know even though that's kind of like a a great thing for many people that have been suffering well because it goes back to that statement of what we don't know we don't know and it's it's we want to stop the behavior and we often don't recognize everything underlying it yeah, Which that becomes us. Think... So... Go on, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say it makes me think of one of the things you said the other day when we were talking too on how the underlying cause of so so much of this is often shame, and so how does how does shame play in, you know, to overcoming, to recovery? Well, what what happens with shame is that like it's a thought created feeling, you know, and it's like nothing is happening often in this moment you know like perhaps we're triggered into a memory we have a thought about something we did in the past or way we behaved or something that we 
uh, did out of desperation or whatever it is, you know, it's and and we feel the experience of shame, which in the face of somebody where there's a shame situation involved can be quite um, overwhelming, you know, for the body and the physical sensation of the body and the mind. But like, actually, the past is gone. There's nothing we can do about it. And when you start to see that your world, including your past and your imaginary future is made of thought, that there only ever is the present moment, then shame stops really being a thing that you have to get rid of or deal with because you see that you can create it innocently in your mind in the moment, or you don't have to, you know, it's like, and, and, and there may be a, there may be um, situations where it makes sense to you to make some sort of amends, you know, but you don't have to in order to free yourself of shame or experience, you know, it's like, you see that everything there only ever is the present moment. And in the present moment, everything is always okay. That's really hard for so many people to accept though, because I think I should say, because you do catch so many people who are really caught up in not knowing how to, because it sounds when you say it, it sounds like, well, okay, I'm just going to do that. But then we know how debilitating shame can be. And so how does somebody get to the point where they can say shame was in the past that's something i did in the past it's not that easy it's not as easy as we sit here and say it yeah it, it, like i'm not talking about like a, what i would call a spiritual bypass you know where you go well it's in the past so it's okay you know that's what i would call a spiritual bypass because the truth is is that it's never okay when people say it like that you know that's just a way of avoiding experience but what i'm talking about here I have to go back to this knowledge versus understanding, you know, right now we're talking of a level of knowledge, you know, we're not talking, we're not, we're not talking, and, and what I'm sharing is my understanding, you know, but we're, we're having this conversation at the level of intellect, and there's a deeper experience of the truth of who we are when we, when our perception of ourselves and the world around us changes, that's when we've got some understanding. And from that place, you know, you can't, from this place, the mind always wants to work out, well, how do I do that? Well, how about this? Well, how about that? Well, how will this work? Will that get better? Well, this, you know, it's like, that's what the mind wants to do. And it's okay in podcasts, but it, it, it's not, a, it's not a, a substitute for understanding, you know, it never can be. And when you get the understanding that I'm pointing to, when you get to, when you really start to see um, the truth of who you are and how your world is created. And by that, I mean that your perspective of yourself and the world around you will change. You know, it's like, you'll know, you won't need to ask anymore. Um, right. Then you, it will just change automatically. You know, it's like, you, you don't need to, there's no um, tools or techniques here involved that whether you have to practice in order to be okay or to get over something. It is literally just, an insight-led journey where you see deeper than the, than what you're seeing currently about about who you are and about how life is created. I love that. It it makes it, it immediately brought the statement to my mind of and so it is, which is a statement that's often um, said at a church that I used to go to, and it just it is and so it is because by then, like you said, the knowledge is there, and you can embrace yeah. that. And hold on to that and yeah it changes little by little sometimes very subtly you know i think i see i see different experiences with different people mine was quite um 
quite impacting, you know, like where I, like my whole world changed, you know, like massively over the space of a couple of days. It's like kind of the point where I couldn't even recognize myself or what happened. Um, you know, so for me, it was quite drastic, but I see people have subtle experiences as well. They start going, well, I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling more joyful. It's kind of like, you know, they don't have this big aha moment. And so everyone has, you know, learns, everyone is around the understanding, you know, everyone who listens to the knowledge that's shared, you know, that um, learns at a different time, has awakening, sees things at different times, different, different spaces from different people you know like i i always say to people don't listen to my words but look at where i'm pointing you know it's kind of like because i i'm not it you know and and, and there's nothing i'm not special and i'm just pointing in a certain direction and i'm asking people don't listen to what i'm saying because you might hear it differently from someone else and think oh my god you know it's like but it's not them either it's not it's not about me or someone else or anyone else you know, it's not about any great spiritual teacher or enlightenment or anything. It's about seeing the truth of who you are. And all I'm doing is pointing towards that. And the only place that you, you're, the only teacher that you can have is yourself. The only place you can look oh. is inside yourself. The only place where the answers lie is inside yourself. You know, what, what we're saying here is that 100% of the time, life is an inside out experience it's not an outside in experience nothing is happening outside of yourself you know in absolute terms i mean there is a world in form a physical you know a material world but we don't experience it we only experience our own mind we can only ever experience our own mind you know that's all we can experience and like that when you start to the first place that you can start to look is introspection you know, like start to look inwardly for the source of your experience, start to ask yourself the question, who am I, rather than looking to everyone else, if they hadn't have done this, if that hadn't have happened, if this hadn't happened to me, if I'd only just got this, my life's going to get better later, when I lose weight, when I get more money, when I get a better job, when I get a new girlfriend, you know, those are not the places to look for happiness, for contentment, for peace of mind, for joy, for freedom from addiction, you know, the only place to look is inside and it has to start with that who am i you know like question that start question that as much as you question why you can't get a new job or if only you had more money you know look inwardly rather than outwardly and when you start to do that you know as a, as a, a feeling of certainty you know things will start to uncover themselves and it made me think that it gets back to that noise and when you're listening when you're asking who am i and you're really listening to the answers that are inside you yeah my thought is that it's going to quiet that noise when you can when you can bring yourself inward and bring yourself in that single moment and it can start quieting that noise that is so busy in our minds that is going a thousand miles a minute yeah it, it might get more noisy at first you know it's like typical experience that it gets more noisy at first but as you start to see that it is just noise and it's like you're not overly identified with you know, it's like, a, imagine if you stood at a river, you know, and like the river's flowing by, you know, it's kind of like an, in the river is all these thoughts, you know, it's like, and every now and again, we see one and we go, that one, you know, and it's kind of like, and we <laughs> grab hold of it and we pour loads of energy into it, you know, we turn it into a thing and we make it mean something, then we phone someone up and go, how do I fix this? How do I, all we need to do is drop it back in and let it flow along, you know, it's kind of like, 
when you observe the mind like a f constant flow like that river of thoughts that are just passing you know they're not useful and, and and just see that every now and again one looks more real than the other and i pick it up and play with it for a while and it, it hurts and i put it down again and then it disappears and another one comes along and it's like a constant seamless flow of experience of of thoughts feelings sensations perceptions you know that's the experience of being human um you know when we see beyond that because we what, what we see is when we're doing that is we see that i'm i'm the one noticing i'm the one in which all this stuff is appearing i'm the one in who's observing these thoughts coming through they're not me they're just they're happening i'm observing them i'm seeing them i love that i love that thought i love the concept of a river and it's just something flowing through and you pick it up and drop it back in yeah that's a great i might use that one jason well this really was a great conversation um where can our listeners get a hold of you um after this i know that we'll have your podcast up and we'll have a blog attached to it that we welcome you to interact with if you'd like to um but how can they reach out to you directly yeah uh, well my podcast um connected to my website my website's wideworldcoaching.com um the podcast is a great place to hear more about this conversation you know in all all areas of life whether you're struggling with mental health with relationships with who you are you know it's kind of creativity there's all sorts of conversations on there and they're really all about this understanding what i've been talking about and they help you see you know how um you know where you might have some suffering in your own life you know how to how to find freedom from that Great. I know I've listened to it already myself, and it is a great podcast. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on today. And we look forward to chatting with you again in the future sometime. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chan Podcast. We appreciate you joining us and hope so much that you gained insight. We invite you to share with us what you enjoy about the episode and all of our stories, what you would like to hear more about and to share your opinions and interests. Please glance over our show notes and be sure to check out the episode's blog where you actually get a chance to dialogue with the Chan Project team and our guests directly. You can find this at chanproject.org forward slash podcast, and then just select the show you tuned into. You can find all of our episodes on this same page and our full list of programs on chanprogram.org. Namaste, Heather and the Chan Podcast family. Thank mm -hmm. you.